We are in the debate. This man, or this man, and myself. Is this a safari jungle, safari desert? Let's just, hands up for this is a safari jungle. One, two, everybody. Okay, we don't even need to do the next question. Time is up. All right, now. As a father, I'll tell you what, as a father, I am a fan of Father's Day. I have grown accustomed to the phrase, it's Father's Day. And I have seen it used not just by me, but by many fathers. For example, you can't wear that Drew Beery's jersey to church, but it's Father's Day. Totally works. Dad, let's watch some TV. Well, it's Father's Day, so we're watching Star Trek, the original series. Hey, friend, come pick me up at LAX. Oh, I really want to. But it's Father's Day. Gets you out of a lot of things. Doesn't matter where you put it in the phrase, hey, it's Father's Day, toss me a Capri Sun. This is a PG sermon. Now, there is one scenario there, though, where this line of it's Father's Day will simply not work. And that is that tonight, if there is a strange noise heard outside of your house, you are not going to be able to look over and say, "Uh, little one, you go check that out, or honey, you go check it out. You don't get to say, but it's Father's Day, I'm not going, you have to. To go. And we don't just go and check it out as dads or even as men, right? We grab our bat, our Louisville slugger, and we go and we check it out. Which, by the way, if you ever go to Walmart, that's why you always see dads in the bat aisle because they are either handing it to their son or daughter saying, Yeah, you'll hit a home run with that. Or they are like working on their wielding move, being like, I could totally take down a White Walker with this bat. So here we go. Now, I've always wondered why the author in Luke, man, I'm having some serious issues here. I was wondering why the author in Luke's omitted this detail in our Holy Scripture. Because as you'll remember from last week during Pentecost, and let me read it for you just in case you forgot. Here in verse 5 of chapter 2, if you're pulling out your Bibles right now, now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, when they heard this sound. Strange noise, perhaps you might say with sound. A crowd came together in bewilderment, and Luke omitted the phrase, and dads showed up with their bats. Why? Why did he omit this phrase? We may never know. But if we had to take the most logical, educated guess, we would probably guess it's because the only person who showed up with a bat that day was the apostle Peter. He showed up with a bat, metaphorically, with the sermon that he wielded and delivered that day. Last week, he, we read that he quoted the Old Testament from the book of Joel. And this week, as Josh just read it for us, we heard the rest. And let me tell you why I think that Peter was wielding a bat in this sermon. Because if you follow along your bulletin there and you look at it, you'll see that he says, Peter, that Jesus was a good man, but he was the Son of God. He did miracles. He healed the sick. He loved people. And some of you who are even present in Jerusalem right now saw this and maybe even experienced it. But nevertheless, you had him arrested. You stood by at his trial. You ordered Jesus killed And you ordered it done in the very worst way. You killed him. Not just Pilate, not just the Pharisees, but you. And then he goes on to say, but God raised him from the dead. 
And he took Jesus, who is the Son of God, whom you killed, raised him, and made him Savior and Lord. Peter did not give them a chance for any excuses here. He didn't say something like, now I know you didn't know what you were doing. He just took the bat, cracked, and said, it was you who killed him. And by the way, Peter delivers that sermon to us as well today. We are included in that you. It is our sin, it is our fault, it is our guilty deeds that are here the cause as well. Because our words that tear others down put Jesus on the cross, our impure thoughts of lust, hatred and coveting put Jesus on the cross, our acts of lies and apathy and greed put Jesus on the cross, our addictions our filth. We may not have been the ones at that moment yelling crucify him when it happened, but our sins yell crucify him every time. And that is not just theory. That is a fact. These things that we do have consequences, not only for ourselves, but for those around us and also to God. And I don't know what that does to your heart. But to the people who heard it in our text, well, this is how the story continues. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, which I take to be Trevor's translation. A bat hit them right in the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Now, Luke, he, let's keep that up there for a second. Luke, he also keeping it PG. I'm sure there was a few other words like, oh, no. Brothers, what shall we do? But where there is guilt and fear and sorrow, we ask, what can we do? What can we do? I've always wondered, what, what do you say to that, right? Peter could have said, let's take an offering. Peter could have piled it on. He could have said, good luck and good riddance. You get what you deserve. But you know he doesn't do that. He says this, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. The bat that convicts us of our sin suddenly turns to something else, an invitation. An invitation to baptism and repentance. Why baptism? Baptism because God, in spite of all of our sin, in spite of everything that we've done wrong, still chooses us, still loves us, still forgives us, and still wants us. That's what Pastor Mike was doing when he was up here proclaiming the fact that we have forgiveness in Jesus Christ because God still loves us, forgives us, and wants us because of Jesus. And more than just that, he gives us power and peace by the Spirit. Something that isn't just for us, but it's for our children and for our children's children and all who are far off. Because while sin may ruin us and those around us and hurt God, baptism heals us. 
And it rebuilds our relationships with those around us. And it brings God joy to give us these things. The text continues and says, With many other warns, he warned them, pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to that number that day. And I don't know about you, Joel, but I think the 3,000 is pretty cool. 3,000 people brought into the family of God that day. The entire world forever changed, starting with Jesus on the cross and Peter declaring what happened. 3,000 received what only God could give, forgiveness and new life. The first thing they do is cling to the promises of God in baptism, and then we find out what repentance means. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Receiving everything that God gave them in baptism, they repented, which is just a fancy word for turning and changing, and moved to devotion. Now, you can look up that word devoted here, that word devotion, and what it means here is steadfast, single-mindedness, earnestness, persisting or perseverance, focused almost exclusively of one's thoughts, times, and energy. That's what devoted do. Devotion stands in contrast with multitasking. And so today, to the fathers into this room and to all people, whom our Lord God has called, I challenge you to follow Jesus with devotion. To turn from yourself or from whatever, the, the, the ways of death or worse, the ways of self-fulfillment, and be devoted instead to Jesus, to teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And I challenge you to do that in your head, in your heart, and with your hands. Devote yourself to Jesus with your head. What that means to me is starting with your thoughts. We all know that positive thinking changes us, and the same goes for negative thinking because our mind is powerful and changes us. So what would it look like? That instead of just filling our head with positive thoughts and good vibes, we start putting the word of God there. We let his word be the first and last thing into our mind. We wake up and the first thing we don't do is check our phone and check out what's going on in the world and read emails and get caught up in work and all our notifications. But instead, we start with who God says we are. We find a verse that speaks to us. And that's the first thought that's going to enter our mind. For me, it's been Colossians 1.17. He is before all things and by him all things hold together. It centers me, knowing that he is first in my life and that everything is centered and held together in Jesus Christ. The Psalms are a great place for you to go and find God's word speaking to you. So are the epistles. So is every single book in the Bible because all of it points to Jesus and all of it can work in your mind to devote yourselves to Jesus. And where mind and thinking starts, words come from. And you better believe, man, that words are one of the most powerful gifts that God has given us to use. You realize, of course, that God spoke life into being. Spoke it with words. What words are you going to be remembered for speaking to those around you? Lord, may our minds and thoughts 
and words be yours forever, Jesus. Devotion with our hearts? To me, that's learning to trust in God more and more each day. Trust only comes from time and experience. Devotion comes by spending time in and with God and giving all of your experiences to Him. So that when suffering and trials come, and they will, you don't turn away, but you turn towards. You lean into God. The gospel message of Christianity is not the escape from suffering. It's suffering with Christ. And you can believe me when I tell you that there is a difference between suffering alone and suffering with Jesus. We turn our hearts to him and then in our hearts we begin to empathize with those around us. Empathy is on the opposite side of the spectrum of competing and comparing. There's no place for empathetic hearts made of stone. And as devoted followers of Jesus, we want to see hearts that empathize with others, that are hearts that are willing to take risks with our things, with our finances, taking our hearts from Grinch size into Jesus' side and devote them to him. Hearts are yours, Lord Jesus. And lastly, the hands. Hands were made to create and to build, not to destroy. What would it look like instead of trying to build something bigger and better for yourself if you took the time to use your hands to build up those around you? Deep in our souls is this desire to build and to create. And when we use that for good, We use that to care for those who can't care for themselves. We hear the words of Jesus say this, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. Now is the time. There is no better time than to start right now and to devote our heads, our hands, our hearts to Jesus. And when we pray, when we pray, we are putting all of that together, head, heart, and hands united and turning to Jesus. And it's Father's Day, so I want to do something, something that's going to be a little uncomfortable because we're going to have to move around. But if you have a father here with you today, I'd ask that you're going to put your hand on him, and we're going to pray together for him. Now, if your father is not here today, if he's somewhere else, if he's far away, or if he's gone home, be with the Lord, then I'd invite you to put your hand on your heart. And please don't think that I am not aware that we don't all have good fathers, and that some of us even had to go through this world without fathers, or some of us have had fathers that have done terrible things to us. I would draw you back to what Pastor Mike reminded us of. We have a heavenly father who loves us, who is with us even when our earthly fathers fail. So let's put our hands on our fathers if they're there. I got to come down too because mine's right there. So somebody's about to either, oh, now there's some space. Last time I had to put um, my derriere in somebody's face, but tonight that's not happening. 
Let me put my hands on my father. Bridget, there she is. All right. And will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for fathers. We thank you that the promise from generation to generation that these fathers have shown us who you are, that they have raised us in the faith and love that is in you, Jesus. So we pray that you would bless our fathers, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, that you would fill them with kindness and compassion, that you would fill them with encouragement so that they seek to devote themselves entirely to following you. Lord, we thank you for everything that you have given us. You, our good Father, working through, working through our fathers and all those father figures. Continue to bless these men so that they may always be about your business. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, whom we love. Amen.